And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to another Fastened Like Nails. I'm in the studio today with Molly Mayo on my left and my favorite of all times horse trainers, <laughs> Dr. Lou Starrett. Uh, good to be here. Okay, so Lou, let me set the stage. First of all, before I set the stage, Dr. Lou Starrett, my good friend Lou, we've known each other for? More f fingers and toes than we can count. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least 25 years, I would say. Uh, likely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so let's tell folks a little bit about your life. You you got saved when? I was a student at Penn State, and I was 19 years old when the Lord finally reached into my life and caused me to see my sin for what it was and the promise of the Savior to redeem me. Hmm. So you were 19 years old? I was. Mm -hmm. And in Penn State? What, yes. What were you doing there? I was a student at Penn State, uh, big into 4-H, uh, big into the animal world, and I was going to quit and leave and go train horses for a living. And God interceded in my life and got me to come to the main university, it allowed me to take horses there and train out of the university. Never been done since, never been done <clears throat> no before. No way, mm -hmm. really? So I had a special moving of God, and because of that, I met a man who I respected, a trainer who affected my life in a, in a very clear way. In fact, I met with him last year, and I asked him what was the highlight of his career at Penn State. He'd been there 50 plus years. He said, you. Wow. I cried like a baby oh, right wow. there in the restaurant. I thought wow. how blessed I was to see how God intervened, moved all kinds mm. of things to draw me to himself. Oh, praise God. That's exciting. Mm, yeah. Okay, so from there, what happened? You, well, got, you got married right away, right? I Before that, I was really convicted about uh, following you're, the you're Lord. You were a convict. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I was. I hadn't been incarcerated, but I deserved to be. And... Um, I turned down a lot of offers to be a graduate student in different places and went off to Bible college. Wow. I met my wife, met my wife-to-be and married and, and uh, prepared for the mission field. Wow. What Bible college? Uh, but in New York City, Nyack. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you got married? In 1975. I met her in 74, married in 75, and we went to California then for two years. Okay. I was confused about my life and where I was going to find God's will, and God put me in a place that, that we were teaching Christianity, but I really had to learn how to exercise the lordship of my life. Okay, let me get this straight. You're saved, you're married, you're in California, you don't have real direction, you're not really sure how the church is, you know, how it's supposed to function in your life. You, you don't know where you don't know where you are in life, right? So who's who's guiding you during this time? What's guiding you during this time? You know, during that time I worked for an employer who was difficult to work for. Praise God. And uh, <laughs> my father-in-law came to visit me, and I said, why? I, I remember building a fence and changing it, reconstructing it five times Oh, yeah, in one I've been day. there. It's a, you want to hear something amazing? Yeah. You and I have had almost the exact kind of beginning. Is that why Christian we're so life. damaged? <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love each other so much. <laughs> and I had about the limit of it. And I said to my father, why would God allow that to happen? He that's said, well, what I said. Five time, five ways you learn to build a fence. And I thought, well, that's a cheap excuse. But, but my pastor out there, he was, uh, we had a discipleship relationship. And I said, uh, why would God bring this into my life? He said, well, perhaps it's not for any wrongdoing that you're doing, but perhaps it's for the character you missed in your years of rebellion. Hmm. And that clung like 
mud to a fence. Yeah. I needed to develop what I lost mm-hmm. during my times of ignorance and rebellion. Same here. And I was grateful for that. And tough bosses help you. Yeah. Uh, God doesn't care what tool he uses. He right. doesn't apologize for the tool, mm. even though we think he should only use a perfect tool. Well, that's just pride again telling him what he can do and what he can't do. Mm-hmm. But when we humble ourselves, he makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. Hmm. Amen. Okay, so you're in California, and what is you met your met with your father-in-law. You're under a difficult boss. You're learning. When I began some to grow. We we had a ninety percent dropout of students. And when I was there, I began to get a vision for mentoring and discipling. Wow. And, and so we had a ninety percent retention when I was there because I invested and I saw the value of it. Hmm. And I realized in in a difficult environment, it's a great place to find the right soil and invest in the lives of others. And those relationships have stuck with me for years, Australia, all around the world. Wait a minute, where were you that these- I was in Southern California, but students came from all over the world. To but be what, at that place. what organization are you part of that uh, they're not staying there and now they started staying there? Uh, it was just simply a, a vocational college. Oh, oh, wow. And so it was uh, Western in its nature, a lot of horses, a lot of ranch. Mm-hmm. Christian in nature too? Yes. Unfortunately, their Christian faith was about equal to their other interest. Mm-hmm. And I began to realize this doesn't work. Mm. It's either all or nothing. So mm-hmm. I began to realize in following somebody, the things that needed to be in my training discipleship, it wouldn't be long later till much later that uh, parents came and said, um, can we send our son to you? We need this, yeah. And I said, well, someday we want to start that, but we're not ready. And they said, why don't you get ready? <laughs> so my wife and I went away for a period of time, and we began to evaluate what are the things that have made the deepest impact in our life that if we had a one small window, one year in a person's life, we would, mm. we would pass on. Hmm. And that's where our apprenticeship discipleship program started 50-plus years ago. In California or in, in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. It was Miracle Not, Yeah, it was... Uh, 81 stars. It was 40 years ago. It started with Miracle ago. Mountain Ranch, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just a summer camp at the time, and then it became a year-round discipleship mm-hmm. ministry and uh, is still thriving to this day. Mm-hmm. So you crazy. founded that? and mm-hmm. then My father-in-law founded the camp. Mm-hmm. I started the apprenticeship program. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you left it to someone else? I left or... it in 2010. Mm-hmm. My staff, or all the people there were formerly, not all the people, obviously, they had a lot mm-hmm. of staff since then, but... The core people are still there. And now your main focus is traveling around to organizations, businesses, discipling, training, using both horses as well as on a corporate level, you're, you're discipling people on a corporate Absolutely. level. Absolutely. Uh, mm. We're the presidents of denominations. We're the presidents of companies. Well, we, our goal is to influence influencers. Cool. You said something the other day that kind of like intrigued me and inspired me. You said, you know, you just go in there and tell people like it is. They just need to, they need to know this stuff. And so you, you're not, you don't fool around with trying to win them over. You just tell them like it is to explain that process and why probably only you could do that. Not too many other people can do that. Well, number one, I care about the things we share values about reaching people. These are companies that really genuinely care. They're not just users and abusers of people. But they're busy, they're overwhelmed, they're challenged by the culture we're in, and their number one nemesis is finding and developing the right people. Oh, he, mm. he must be talking about Lamplighter. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So I have no problem going into them and telling them, what can I do to help you design, define and develop and sustain a mentoring culture? Mm. 
because that's the footprint. You're never going to give an account for your bottom line or your success loss ratios. You're only going to give an account for the people you affected during your life. Mm. And so I said, uh, you may not want me, but you need me to help you mm. keep focused on making that your priority in everything you do. Mm. And I said, I'll offer you these things. And uh, someone said, well, I can't. What about the cost of leadership? I said, what about the cost of no leadership? Mm. People said, what if we train them and they, and they leave? What if you don't and they stay? <laughs> <laughs> I think of that all the time, though. You know, yeah. you're, you're investing us in, in us, and there's got to be a return on that investment. And I'm thinking, like, Molly, we put all this time and effort into the people that are here. Mm-hmm. Then what, what happens if they leave, you know? Mm-hmm. But like you just said, you know, what if we don't invest that kind of time and they stay? That's even better, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I never right. thought of that. It reminded me of that, that saying that you that you said that I'm going to put on the wall here. It was... Uh, don't limit Don't your limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's going to be on the wall here next time you come. Okay, so that brings us up to date as to what you're doing. And the reason you're here at Lamplighter is, number one, you're one of our professors in the the uh, Master's Guild Collegiate Program. And this is your, th- this is your, can you believe it? This is your third time teaching in the Master's Guild. Wow. Isn't that something? Third, third year. Third year, yeah. Third year. fast. Yeah. We must be having fun. <laughs> I think one year we brought you back twice. This was your fourth time. Hmm. You did the, the time up at Letchworth State Park. Mm-hmm. You did True. that, that spring one. That was really cool. in the trees, that was yeah. amazing. Um, okay, so, so we're, we see you as a, integral part of the ministry here um, because you're providing the teaching that allows us to see what we can't see on the inside. Your eyes coming in, you help us to see our blind spots. And one of the things that took place here is you're, you're trying to help us to know how do we become more efficient? And you use the wheel to teach us these principles. I had to go and find a wheel in an Amish, <laughs> an Amish community. A wooden wagon wheel. A, a wooden wagon wheel. Yeah. Wooden wagon wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this wheel is about oh, probably four feet high, and inside it's got a metal hub, and then it's got wooden spokes that go to a wooden round. What would you call that? Soft rim, I call soft it. Soft rim, and then outside of the soft rim, there's a metal steel rim on the outside of that. And you use that wheel to teach us some very significant principles. So let's just start. We're not going to share about what took place last night right now, but let's just start start there with what you taught us. Well, we looked at the origin and the purpose of the wheel, and we talked about need often helps develop design. Mm. The scripture says, without a vision, people perish. And so part of that vision is, is how do we see a need and how can we help meet a need? The wheel before it was invented um, was not likely round or whatever the case is, so we see it today. But it it was probably invented because they wanted to lift a carrier load. Mm -hmm. They wanted to get more velocity in it. So eventually a round wheel came. Mm -hmm. And we began to summarize that the real purpose of the wheel was to bear a burden. But the purpose of bearing the burden wasn't just to get something, even if it was to deliver hay or collect a paycheck. The ultimate thing was to bring joy. Hmm. And we forget that we are called to be burden bearers who deliver joy. Hmm. And all of us have burdens, but not all of us do it joyfully. 
Hmm. And we quoted the scripture says, because you do not serve me with joy and gladness for the abundance of all things, you will serve your enemies. Whoa. You're going to serve the anger and depression or fear, or you're going to choose joy. But joy alone isn't the issue. We need to deliver and take responsibilities and carry burdens and lift the concerns of others, meet those needs. So the wheel became that. But then we talked about the components of the wheel, the how it was patterned. And we talked about five different elements on it, including the hub, the spoke, soft rim. But then with the other hidden thing was the grease. And in light of that, we're going to just help you to explore what does the hub do? Well, the hub communicates from the load to the spokes, to the, to the extremities, from uh, the, the concerns that any ministry is involved in to the people that are doing the work of that. And vice versa, it, it communicates back from the spokes from all those people that are part of the ministry back to the concerns and the people they're addressing. But the hub gets the most amount of friction. The hub is always the core and it reminds them it's restricted by metal. So it can't change, it, can't, it keeps the, mm-hmm. the wheel on the core values. Mm. But it gets the most amount of heat. That's why grease is needed in the hub. And so that grease, so let's just define our terms here. So in at Lamplighter, this key person at Lamplighter isn't me. It's one of it's one of my assistants. Um, she, her name is Sarah, and she functions as that hub. People go to her rather than me. To, sure. She's the one that kind of delegates and doles out the different responsibilities every day. The students are looking, what do I do today? And, you know, so everyone kind of looks at what Sarah, Sarah's the one that leads the choir. She's the one that sets things up when we're going to go on a trip. She administrates. She administrates. So that yeah. hub is important. So how do we she... often think that the owner of a company is the, is the hub, not necessarily. They're the wheelwright, the designer of the company. Mm-hmm. They're also sometimes the rim who take the guff and get out there and build new clients. So that would be more like yeah, my exactly role. right. Okay. But for Sarah, how do we avoid prevent her from burning out. So if you got a if you got a hub that is going 90 miles an hour, you know, on the, uh, the with that wheel turning and that's what it's like here at Lamplighter, how do we prevent her from burning out? Well, formally, uh, that person would have been a spoke in their mind. And they're transitioning from being a spoke to being an administrator, so they can't do spoke assignments. They can't do all the mm-hmm. dewy things. And they have to learn how to lead and empower and define and develop others. I'm trying to lead you into um, what goes inside that hub. That grease. Okay. <laughs> well, that's two parts. Number one, the hub has to be the hub. Okay. But then the hub needs help staying to be the hub and dealing with the heat. And so I asked uh, that person, what, uh, what is the grease? Well, that person immediately said the word of God, the comfort. But that's also true. But also, you, the owner, have to go back and help. Mm-hmm. Support, finds, and and eliminate, and help mm-hmm. administrate that. Support, protect, and, and and then I said, I also am grease. Right. I'm here to give fresh direction, help you say no, help you find your core values, and help you to make decisions. And we have a contract with you. We can call you and ask for your help. So that's that's the supporting grease. That's when, exactly when right. When things are getting heated up here, we can come to you and say, hey, we've got the situation. Can you help us? <clears throat> Outside consultants, coaches, One, our, bo- our board board members. Yeah, exactly okay. right. Our, our, our spouses. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. They help keep it lubricated. Yeah, I call Debbie a couple times yeah. a day, two, three, four times a day, you know, and that's that's helpful to me because I have someone that I can, you know, talk to and, and kind of role play, you know, the different situations and it's very helpful. Okay, so that's the um, the hub. Then the spokes, everyone's fulfilling a different role here. And 
it functions as a complete unit. If it there's does. one spoke that's broken, then the wheel can't turn well. That's right. And it shows the importance of that. Plus, the hub can actually roll and get a load. Like one person can do the job, but it the spokes are multipliers. They're extenders. They're amplifiers. So you can get more done. But, of course, there's the reality of keeping them in line, keeping them communicating from the rim to the other. And the hard rim on the outside bears the, the reproaches. Mm -hmm. It takes the bumps, takes the stone, it takes the rejections, it takes the nose on sales and things like that, and it never moves. It's mm -hmm. hard, it's resistant. In our culture, uh, we call that person <clears throat> insensitive, uh, narrow-minded, whatever, mm -hmm. but there's a place for that in our society where people have resolved to do the right thing and not be deterred by distraction or right. discord. Right, yeah. For example, here at Lamplighter, if I'm going to get flack on, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the scripture in our books and the stand that it takes on masculinity, biblical masculinity, biblical femininity, you know, that's never going to change, you know. No matter what kind of pressure is put on us, we're going to maintain our, you know, biblical stance. This is what, you know, I'm going to take my orders from God, not from man, because this is what God wants us to communicate to people through our stories and sure. so that's so so i would i would end up in jail before i would you know ever and you can take that guff without any real concern no, not a big deal where a student yeah. wouldn't be up for that i can get a lot of reading done mm -hmm. in jail okay <laughs> 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 okay so so that that is important to see how a team functions together um you quoted a scripture just about seven minutes ago um joy and gladness yeah, quote that again. In Deuteronomy, I can't get the chapter and verse in mind, but because you do not serve me with joy and gladness for the abundance of all things, you will serve your enemies. Wow. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit. How many people are in ministry or in families that are not serving the Lord with joy? Um, you know the situation I have right now with um, a government official that's putting a lot of pressure on me, okay? Uh, we we had a inspection today and, and we had to discuss things and he he added more fire today hmm. crazy okay it did not affect my joy it's in fact i'm just asking the lord like okay what am i missing what am i not getting here because this is getting worse you know but i'm i'm not allowing it to steal my joy it's like you said maybe there's some issues in my character that just haven't been you know, chiseled out enough right now. So what do people do where they just don't feel like there's any more joy in where, they're, where they are? Where in, in, a, in a business situation, let's say they're like, I've tried everything I can do. I don't like where I am. There's no joy here. And they're in a family situation. There's no joy in the marriage. They're in a church. And there's no joy in the church. What do people do faced with a joyless experience? Well, first of all, God can move us because times are tough or whatever. So there's that always that reality. But we have to understand what is the source and what is the trigger or the cause of the joy. In Acts, when the church was being established, the proof that Christ had ascended is that the Holy Spirit was sent and came in a visible form to all persons distinguishable. So they knew that he had been seated on his throne because the Holy Spirit was given and they gave a visible evidence and witness to that. Joy... <clears throat> is the visible evidence that Christ is seated on the throne of your heart. Hmm. Hmm. That's cool. He's con he's got It has nothing to do with circumstances. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with conditions. It has to do with keeping the sovereignty of God 
ruling in your heart and leaving him take care of those circumstances. Okay, last night you were talking with one of our staff and you told them that they're, they're overwhelmed. They've been, mm-hmm. they've been over, they're not overwhelmed today, but they've been overwhelmed. They're in a very high leadership position and you said something that challenged them that blew me away. You said this, you said, you need to love others enough to be strong. And then you said, you need to love fiercely and don't be afraid of it. That's right. Wow. What does it mean to love others enough to be strong? Well, I told this person, we grew up in church and we're always told, don't, don't do this, don't do this. So we're afraid of making mistakes. And the fear of man is still part of our church dwelling. Being considerate, being harmonious, being servant-oriented, being submissive is good. But this person had one foot in the gas pedal and one foot on the brake because they're afraid of making mistakes. We need to be fearless when it, takes, it comes to taking initiative, trusting God. When I, when I take the bridle off a horse, when I give him, I tell him, I want him to go all out till he hears another t- direction. And we're afraid of going all out. And that's what fierce love, it means I am committed to your welfare. I'm gonna invest whatever it takes, whether you like me or don't, I'm gonna invest in you because I want you to succeed. Wow. And that's the mother for her children. That's the father who's leading courageously. It's the daring uh, person that we need to serve in our culture without fear of the enemy or retaliation. Okay, so while you're talking to this other staff member, I'm sitting there listening to you, and I'm realizing that you're really speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Here's why. I'm gonna, Molly, I'm going to use you as an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, This isn't real. This is fictitious. Okay. Let's say that you're a fairly weak person. Okay, okay, like you get to a certain point where you you cry every day. Mm. Okay, I mean you do, but no, no I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Molly does not cry every day. But let's say that you get to a place where you just get overwhelmed and you cry, and then I come to you and I'm like, oh Molly, you'll be all right, honey. Can I pray mm-hmm. for you right now? Hey, let me hold your hand. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, you know, just treat you like a baby, uh-huh. and you love that. Let's say, uh-huh. okay, guess what's going to happen to you? Um, Gonna stay the same or get worse. You're gonna cry more. Yeah. Because right. you, you love the attention. Mm-hmm. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna and so I'm never gonna help you to grow up. Lou, what you said last night was more for me than anybody. It made me realize because I have that tendency. When I see people emotionally weak, you know, and they're floundering and they're they're teary eyed and they're not able to know what to do next, I'm there to just kind of like coddle them a little bit, you know, just like, oh, come, you know, and I, I'm real empathetic with them when actually in most cases, I don't need to be empathetic. I need to be strong. I need to have some fierce love so that I can tell them exactly what's missing in their life rather than keeping them in the state that they're in. Mm-hmm. It's part of believing in them. Scary sometimes because they mm. may not step up to the fact. Mm. What We say it this way, whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. And when you reward self-pity and sympathy and self-indulgence, it'll be create the habit. When you challenge them to grow, to give up of themselves and to step out and care about others and they take an inch You'll see it. They'll see it. Jump all mm. over it. Mm. That's really good. You you said something else too. You said weak people will attract the wrong kind of person in your life, mm. but strong people. When you're strong and you're, 
you know, you're joyful and you're living for the Lord and you're taking steps of faith, you're willing to risk, mm-hmm. and you're, you become that type of dynamic woman or dynamic man, now you're drawing a completely different person to you. Mm. It's kind of a reverse thing. I, I, it's really odd. When Jesus said, to him who has shall more be given, to him who has not shall what he has will be taken away. Well, strong people create, attract strong people. Good people, healthy people attract healthy friends. Mm. To those that are withdrawn and self-pitying, they don't have any friends and they can't get any friends. Mm-hmm. Whoa, yeah. And you realize you're going to have to take the steps somewhere to start acting in faith, mm-hmm. moving forward. Hmm. Okay, this gets good. Okay, then, then we moved over to the horse farm today and we had some lessons there. You had the carnal horse, natural horse, and the spiritual horse. And um, here's some things you said today. You said... Um, the horse needs to hear and obey so it becomes yielded, thus usable. Mm. And then you said, all problems come from the heart, not the mouth. Well, when we look at a horse, we put a bridle on the horse. So the mouth is a very evident thing. We know in our mouths they get us in trouble, but this horse actually will push on the bridle, pull on the bridle, react to the bridle. So we think the answer is to jerk on the bridle, get a bigger bit, control the behavior mm-hmm. because we're trying to protect ourselves. The real issue is to engage the hip, which is the heart of the horse, not the physical heart, but the farthest part from the behavior. Behavior, attitude, heart. And the rider must work his way from the face through the shoulders to the hip where he can get a hearing from the hip or the heart of the horse. Okay, wait. Behavior, attitude, Heart. Heart. Motive. So behavior is the the face of the yes. horse. The attitude is it's the shoulder. The shoulder where he mm-hmm. then will turn into you what you mm-hmm. want, right? Yes. And then when he turns completely towards you, he's kind of like uh, yeah. the letter C almost. You he's his rear end is not he's not he's not trying to align with you to to push you over. Yeah, we saw that horse today. Just it was perfect, face wasn't up, it? Push off, and it was so obvious. It's like a temperamental. Kid. It really was. Yeah. Okay, so exp- explain that to our listeners. What what did that look like, and and what were you trying to do? Horses that are insecure or defensive <clears throat> or rebellious always try to choose the high ground. Why? Because that's where they control the argument. And the high ground is coming face to face with you. Yes. His heart, which is in the rear, is. You can't reach it. It's all the way in the back. He's protecting himself. It'd be like a kid that's complaining. Everybody thinks you're too strict and <clears throat> nobody likes you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the poor victim here and you're mm. mean parents. Well, kids do that. That's what oh, they do. It's really something I've had over the, I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was, but I've had people here, um, let's say let's say students, where that is, they've come and had the sit down talk with me and <laughs> all right. the yeah. stuff, you know, all yeah. the, and then, and then the letters, you know, several yeah. pages of letters, you know, when I'm like, um, guys, you know, if this was 30 years ago, I would have bought this, but yeah, you got some lessons to learn right now and your heart out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. Yes. I'm hearing what your heart is having to say. Mm-hmm. And what it's saying is, you're just not willing to submit to authority. And those people will gather other people for <clears throat> they, their support. They do all the time. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Because they, they're hiding their heart. So in order for God to make us usable, he's got to make us humble and yielded. He will apply pressure. We always say it this way, where there's a vertical resistance toward God, toward authority. He will use lateral pressure to train us. He'll use conflict with people. He'll use finances. He'll use health issues. He'll use lateral pressure, the stuff on earth, to try to get our attention and admit our need for God. Hmm. 
Okay. With a horse, we used lateral pressure for a horse that would buck or rear or yeah. run off to keep him on the ground. I was amazed at what you did today with that horse. I was, <laughs> he gave us a good show. I'm glad I wasn't on that horse. <laughs> you know, and that, but you know, and then I liked what you said with the horse that was the the good horse. It did buck a couple times, but you didn't make an issue out of that because you you said. What did you say about that? I said he's not perfect, but he's in a healthy process. Mm. And that's why we have to die daily. God doesn't expect mm. us to start the day perfect and live it perfect. He Mom and Dad, us. this is so important that your children are growing and they don't have to do it perfectly. No, they don't. Because when we try to get them to do it perfectly, then we become legalistic and law The process givers. is always more important than just the result mm. because that's where they build the muscle. Say it again. The process is always more important than just the result because that's where they build the muscle. Mm. I would say um, don't place responsibility above relationship. Build the responsibility within the relationship. Yes. Cool. Okay, then almost lastly, you said attitude opens the door to our heart. What does that mean, attitude opens we the door to our heart? We use attitude to punish people, to make them pay a price to get to us, to show them how they've hurt us. We all are professionals in using and manipulating relationships with attitude. And a bad attitude keeps people away from our heart or makes them earn the right to our mm. heart. When we choose to give up a bad attitude and forgive the person or be approachable, we give them access to our heart. Whoa. And so we hold God off for the bad attitude. That's why complaining is such a thing out of the will of God because it's really justifying a bad attitude to keep God out of helping us. You told us today that you have a company that has part of their policy that if there's any gossip, they're fired. They give warnings, but they have it. I've seen it on several companies now where we're encouraging them that gossip is a fireable issue. Well, okay. So Molly, mm -hmm. can I put you on the spot? Sure. You just love this, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Would you like to try to put me on the spot first? Um, no, no, let's do you first. Um, <laughs> okay. So and I, the reason I'm going to ask you this is because uh -huh. I don't think you do this, mm -hmm. but you might, and I might not see it. Okay. But let's say that you're offended by somebody. Uh-huh. If you are offended by someone, who is it usually? Me. <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> Whoever. So okay. let's say that you're offended. Uh-huh. And let's say this one really hurts. Mm -hmm. What's your reaction going to be? Um, that That is a good question. It depends, I guess. Um, usually I'll get really withdrawn and is that, is that attitude? It is. Okay. We got an attitude here. Yeah. Why, why do you withdraw? Um, because you've been hurt. I didn't like it. <laughs> you're protecting yourself and you're punishing somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say, let's reverse it. Okay. Okay. Now I am hurt. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm 67 years old. I've been in the Lord 45 years. I should be... It's still an issue. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and I'm older than you. <laughs> but but praise God, mm -hmm. if I'm walking with the Lord, it doesn't take long no. for the Holy Spirit to reverse my course. And maturity mm. is really the measure between when we are convicted and when we obey. Ooh, praise oh, God for that. But It's I, not the absence of... The problem, like no, not at all. That's cool. uh, mature people, including the Apostle Paul, had lots of problems. Mm. So had lots of tension. But my attitude would only be if it was a person that I love the most. Mm. So if I'm hurt by people that I love, that's going to cause me to probably have that little bit of a 
you know, protect myself and mm-hmm. sulk a little bit or just get away from them. Unless I've reached a level of maturity in which I love that person enough to know that they that something's wrong. You yeah. know, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to just I'm going to I'm going to talk to the Lord about this and then I'm going to go to them and talk to them about it and see mm-hmm. if we can restore that relationship. That's real maturity. My goal was to go from six years down to six months, down to six weeks. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and now we're just trying to get to six minutes we're, and we're good. We're trying to work on the six minutes. Uh, but that, and Molly, I just wanted to let you know that you mm-hmm. do this really well. Thank you. Yeah, you don't, uh, you, you want to get it resolved. Somebody yeah. asked me, what would I say to my 14-year-old person? I'd tell them to humble themselves quicker and take responsibility sooner. I would say the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. Whoa. Now, it took me a lot of years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're on the training wheels. Okay, lastly, um, only the powerful um, yields. Um, those that yield are powerful, and mm-hmm. only then are we in alignment. And when we're in alignment, that alignment unleashes passion. Mm-hmm. Let's unpack that. Well, uh, we showed how the horse's vertebrae and all resistance. Horses are automatically aligned to the herd, to grass, to laziness. We are aligned as well. That's why Jesus said, do not love the world, things in the world. It's not that those things in themselves are evil, like sexuality or food or comforts, sunsets. They're all wonderful because we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth that's going to be like the other. So mm. that in itself is not evil. But our identity and our, our comfort built around that makes us in alignment against God because we're going to rule according to our terms and hold on to those comforts. So the trainer works to unalign the horse, does lateral work, softening until he can unalign him from the herd. Mm-hmm. You can't train a horse in a herd. You can't train a boy with a, in, in a group. Mm, so you have to whoa. begin to unalign him, take him out or dog or whatever it is to get that alignment to you. Well, you were just talking about that before the podcast. I don't think we were recording that. But you're asking about a particular student that you'd seen some positive change in. And that totally goes with what you were saying because it was after some personal conversations with you, Dr. Hamby, about, you know, different things he'd been learning. But it was that one-on-one mentorship that Mm -hmm. I don't know if this person has had a lot in their life. That's what did it. That was like, oh, and then the walls came down. He was like, whoa, this you care about me. Mm -hmm. And it was really. That that was the real key. Yeah. You you care about me. You value me. I trust you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trust, beginning to trust. Yeah, it's still a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa. So what God does, he takes away the wrong friends. He takes away the wrong circumstances. And we think, God, you're ruining my life. God (laughs) always subtracts before he adds without our permission. Mm -hmm. And when he unaligns us from those sources that will destroy us, then he realigns us under his authority. Mm. So that our past, our present, our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. our discussions all become his. And our life message is when our lives are in alignment with him, and then we can speak with authority. We don't speak because we're perfect. We don't speak because we've accomplished all things. We speak because we're in fellowship. Mm. And that fellowship bears witness to those that hear us. Um, today you were um, training this horse, and you had two horses there. And you had the, the carnal horse, <laughs> the one that was rebellious. And you finally got his attention. I mean, I, I was, like, surprised the owner of that horse, you're kicking the daylights out of that horse, it seemed like, you know, but 
I, I know you had the right the horse spurs was on. bucking, and I had a mild spur, and I was telling yeah. him louder because he was trying to buck me off. Yeah, I know. Mm. I saw that. I and, said, and, You're and, not going to do this. You got his. I know you got his attention, and he just he started to obey you. I was like, mm-hmm. and he put his head down, and then when his owner came. He, he started to respect his owner. Before that, the owner, the horse kept nudging the owner. You know, they were like two, not even two inches apart. Now he had two feet apart and the horse started respecting her. Now that's the illustration. The owner was, all oh, poor horse. Yep. And all you become is enabler to bad habits. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what you did though, I watched you take this horse and you turned the horse around so the horse wasn't facing the other horse. He had too much temptation, pick small fights. <laughs> and then you're moving them farther and farther away. Yeah. and uh, So that he can win, I can win, and the audience can win. And then mm-hmm. you release the tension. Yeah. I couldn't believe you took that the reins off of his head entirely and you just said, I mean, has the horse ever just taken off with you? That horse? Any horse, like when uh, you just no. let, let go of the reins? No, I don't do it till I know they're, <laughs> they can handle some, <laughs> some responsibility. Wow. The more responsibility we place on the horse healthily, the more he wants to please. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. And healthily. And you I like what you said. You you give them you never punish a horse for doing wrong. You reward the horse for doing what's right. Yeah, we, we talk about discipline versus punishment. Punishment always focuses on failure. Punishment marries somebody to their past. Punishment takes away hope. Mm. Discipline always marries them to the future, to a hope. Mm. It, mm. it invests in them whatever they need to succeed, and it stays with them until they achieve it. Mm. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance That's produces right. character. That's character exactly produces right. hope. And mm. hope never disappoints us, yeah. never makes us ashamed because the love of God. And boy, there, there you go mm. with your illustration. This whole thing is about experiencing God's love for us so that we can do what? Love others fiercely. I love it. I like that. So we took a reactionary fool and we invested him until he was able to respond. The gospel centered on our ability to respond to the calling of Christ. Mm. Wow. And that horse that you were riding now becomes more usable Mm -hmm. and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Unless the owner goes back and feeds him all the dope that he was on beforehand. Mm. Wow. Okay. In closing, uh, this is... We got to do this again, ASAP. I think we're going to keep you here. <laughs> you can see your wife every month. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll you do Zoom. <laughs> Ask your wife if she would like to join us. I think yeah, she's ready for this. She probably is. <laughs> so I want to just end with the scripture. You quoted it earlier. Um, to those who have, much more shall be given. To those who have not, what they have shall be taken away. Wow. Mm. That seems so. And in, in the light of man's concept of fairness, that is evil. And God deals with equity, it's perfectly right on target. So taking the opportunity, the risks, the faith risks mm-hmm. that are necessary to do all the things we've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that we're in alignment with God, mm-hmm. that when resistance comes into our lives, that is for the purpose of humbling ourselves so that we become more usable, so that... God has our heart and not just what we're saying. We're no longer living the, the fake life that we are in alignment with our words. We're now in alignment with our heart so that we become usable and bring joy not only to ourselves, but joy and love to others. Another Fasten Like Nails, Molly and Dr. Lou Sterrett. If people were to go and find your website, where would it be? Uh, www.sermononthemount.org. Sermononthemount.org. And the book that I would recommend if you mm-hmm. wanted to learn more about um, the truths that have been um, talked about in this session, 
Molly, there are three books in particular that I would um, bring up. Um, one for young children. Hand on the Rattle. How did you know that's what I was going to say? Well, there's a horse on the front, and the story kind of illustrates what we're talking about. Yeah, it is an incredible book for all ages, and um, mm-hmm. you won't be able to put it down. It's one of my all-time favorite books. Uh-huh. We've got to do that in an audio drama. Yeah, I think I think that'd be a great audio yeah. drama. So Hand on the Bridle. And then mm-hmm. for young children, it's Trusty Gets Off Track for mm. children one through six. But then those that want to study more word-centered biographical sketches. Uh-huh. We've got three volumes of Fastened Like Nails. Oh, yeah, called. those are excellent. Yeah, Fastened Like Nails. They're stories of all the great men of God mm-hmm. who literally got saved while they were preaching the word. They thought they were saved before. All of the men? Most most all of them. Yeah, it's oh, pretty my. amazing. Yeah, um, It was the later on in their <laughs> lives where they, they came to know Christ as their Savior, even though they were pastoring churches during this time. That's crazy. So um, go to lamplighter.net, and you can look those stories up. Again, the first one is? Hand on the Bridle. Hand on the Bridle. Second one is Trusty Gets Off Track. And then Fasten Like Nails, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. And Molly, of course, Teddy's Button. <laughs> There's no book like it for children mm-hmm. about a boy and girl that hate each other. They learn that you don't win the battle with hate. You win the battle with love, and your greatest enemy is yourself. That and Runaway Darling. Oh, yeah. Those are a great duo. Those would be great books for— Please Button for guys and Runaway Darling for girls. I think they, guys and girls would like, like them both. Mm-hmm. But um, those are great stories that teach the principles that we've been talking about today. So mm-hmm. look forward to doing this again at another Fasten Like Nails. You got it. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, Visit FastenedLikeNails.net and fill out the form. That's FastenedLikeNails.net.